Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I truly believe that every true Christian, every true born-again child of God wants to please our Heavenly Father. Can you agree with that this morning? If you're saved at all, there is something on the inside of you that says, I want to please God. I want to know him more. I want to be all that he wants me to be. And I am so excited for this message because here is what I'm sure of. I see it in the faces that are looking at me now. I see it in the body language that is looking at me now. I feel it in the spirit that is being uh, broadcast through this atmosphere. There are people in this room that used to be excited for God and you are about as cold as a piece of coal that was took off the fire last June. Uh, no, not last June, last December. June was just last month. Some of y'all used to be fired up for God. You're not fired up anymore. Listen, and it shows. That's horrific, y'all. If you can't hide the fact that you ain't excited, as excited as you used to be about God anymore, if it's just dripping all over you like the rain on the outside, if, if that's evident, it takes a while for you to get that carnal. But I got good news for you today. There is hope in the name of the Lord. And if you want to be excited for God, if you want to be a child that pleases the Heavenly Father, we are going to look at some things today that are going to allow you to take a step forward in Christ. Now, if I said how many people want to move forward in Christ, eight people would say amen. Now, I'm not going to do that because uh, the rest of y'all are the ones that need to say it. But just sit there um, and, and try to let God soak into behind, uh, above and overcome your thoughts of negativity today. Oh, Jesus, I wish I had a negativity meter with me today. I'd start with Elder Jimmy, and I'd just hang it around the neck, because some of y'all would ring it off the hook right now. I mean, uh, listen, if you're happy, how many of y'all remember this song? If you're happy and you know it. All right, now, see, that's how church folks sing it. Here's, here's how preachers sing it. If you're happy and you know it, tell that sour look on your face that you don't hate God all the way together, and smile and tell your face that you're happy. See, that doesn't rhyme. It doesn't have the right rhythm or meter, but that's how every preacher feels it deep down in, in, in their feeler. I want you to know that God loves you, and he's still got a plan for your life. No matter where you are, whether, whether you used to be more excited about God than you are today or if you're on a mountaintop with God, I want to tell you something. We are all going to have an opportunity today to become more like him. And some people want it, and some people don't, but we all Need it. In Colossians 3.10, the Bible says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I'm, I'm not going to stay in this verse long. I just wanted to springboard from this verse. But I want to tell you, it, it, I've told you forever, pay attention to the punctuation when you study scripture. Put on your new nature, comma. That's cause for pause. God is telling Christians to put on their new nature. And I want to I ask you today, would you be willing to do that for the next 40 minutes? Would you put on your new nature? The Bible says we should have the mind of Christ. The Bible says we should love God and love people. The Bible says that we should earnestly desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. You as a Christian, me as a Christian, we choose to put on our new nature or not? Whatever shoes you put on today, you could have put on a different pair if you have a different pair. You put on what you want to put on. And we have a choice every day to either put on our new nature or to live in our old stink. Mm, there's a message there, but I'm going to keep moving. He says, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator. 
The only way that you are going to learn more about God is if you are being renewed, if you are being changed, if you are growing. To be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. The Bible tells us, and we know this as a church, we studied this many times. The scripture says they were first called Christians where? At Antioch. A city in uh, the first century called Antioch where the people were living so much like Jesus Christ of Nazareth after he had gone, they, they started mocking them and calling them Christians. Oh, ain't you just a you 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 just like Christ? Imitator of Christ is what the word literally means, and it was originally a pejorative. It was originally a a, a term of derision, but it became a badge of honor to say that I am a Christian. And I hope today you can truly say I am a Christian. We may not be completely like him, but we ought to be some like him. I can tell you this for sure. I don't know how women feel because I've never been a woman. Uh, regardless of what they tell you, I can't be a woman no matter what I identify as. If I was going to identify as something and it become a reality, I'd identify as a, a, a trillionaire and pay all your bills. But that's just foolishness and it doesn't work. I don't know how mothers feel, but I know how fathers feel. Dads want their children to look like them i'm telling you what you get around a a, a mom and a dad with a, with a small child and it, it, we, we just take the riches uh if they were to say man that that boy thank god he got all of your wife and none of you if you tell a man that boy don't look nothing like you at all two things in his mind he does look like me and if he don't look like me enough we're gonna need a test And some of y'all walking around claiming to be children of God, you need a test. Because there's nothing on you that looks like God. But I'm going to tell you, God is loving, and he'll save anybody. And if he saved me, he can save you. Amen? Let, let, let's, let's, let's talk about some things this morning. I want to talk about how we can grow deeper in our faith. Because I know every real Christian wants that I, 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 there's a lot of talk in the kingdom of God in churches about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, living a spirit-filled life, and there, there's there's some uh, distinctives there that people differ on, and I'm not going to dig into those today, but I am going to show you a way where you can become more like Him. And that ought to be your goal. You ought to want to look like Jesus. When you go on your job, you ought to want to represent him. We carry the spirit of God with us on the inside. Now, the Bible uses a lot of symbolism, a lot of analogies. Certain things in the natural are used to represent things spiritually. We've talked about that a lot. I've talked to you about Jesus' preferred method of teaching was first natural and then spiritual. He would talk about natural things to make spiritual points. He would talk to fishermen about fishing terminology to make spiritual points. He would talk to farmers about agricultural terminology to make spiritual points. The Bible does that a lot. Symbolism, analogies, uh, things that represent something unique in the spirit. And, and today, I want us to look in a moment at Ezekiel chapter 47 and a vision that God gave to Ezekiel to, to show us what it's like to not only grow more in God, but to be filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, Ezekiel sees a vision of a river. Say river. Now, river symbolizes a lot of different things in the Bible because a river is primarily made up of what? So if you look at what water symbolizes and what river symbolizes, river symbolizes growth, refreshing, life, newness, vitality, strength, spiritual fullness. And I've told you many times that if you want to study a subject in the Bible, you need to know what the law of first mention is. The law or the principle of first mention 
basically tells us that whatever you are looking at spiritually, if you go back to the first place it was mentioned in God's Word, that sets the platform for the use of that idea, concept, thought, or teaching throughout. Now, we see a river in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. And from that river is coming life, growth, sustenance, cleansing. From that river is uh, coming all sorts of good things. That's in the second chapter in the beginning of the book. In the very last chapter of the Bible, in Revelation 22, we see the Bible talking about rivers again. I'm not going to give you every time the Bible talks about rivers, but I'm going to throw some New Testament examples uh, at you real quick. The first time God talks about a river in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says, And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. The Jordan River is key throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, the people of God crossed over the Jordan River into a fuller manifestation of God. People now are baptized to step into a fuller manifestation of God. You don't get baptized to be saved. There's not enough uh, chlorine in water to wash away your sins. The hymn writer had it right when he said, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, we get baptized because Jesus got baptized. We see that uh, seven verses later in Matthew 3.13. The Bible says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized of John. So we see rivers in the Bible consistently. Listen to what happened after Jesus went to the river. In Luke 4, 1, the Bible says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, I can't answer this for you, but I can tell you the right answer is yes. Somebody say yes. So here's the question. Do you want to be more like Jesus? Two people. All right. Uh, if you want to be more like Jesus, then you should want to be full of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody want to be full of the Holy Spirit? If you want to be like Jesus and you want to be full of the Holy Spirit, let me ask you this. Would you like to be led by the Spirit of God on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis? Now, if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. What did Jesus do? He went to the river. This river is constantly talking about spiritual things. In Revelation 22, the last time we see uh, God's Word talk about rivers, in verse 1 of the last chapter of the Bible, God said, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God of the Lamb, and it flowed down from the center of the main street on each side of the river, grew a tree of life. Rivers are about growing. Rivers are about life. Rivers are about spirituality. Now, this river and the river that Ezekiel saw are not the same, but they have some similar context. See, Ezekiel saw something that never existed before. There was never any water flowing. There was no river in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the only prominent city in the old world that didn't have a river running through it. Now, I do a lot of... Uh, training and study for survival. I believe there may come a day in the life of the average American where we're going to have to learn to live off stuff other than Walmart and Publix. Okay? I, you, you can believe that or you cannot believe that. Uh, I asked the men one time at our men's group. We didn't have any announcements today, uh, but there is man up tonight and there's wings tonight. So men... Be here at 6 o'clock. Ladies, be here at 6 o'clock. Come if you can. Pray for us if you can't. But one night I asked the men, could you take a knife and go out into the woods and live for three months? And there was only two people in the room that felt they could, me and one other person. And I'm not saying that you're just going to be able to go into the woods with, with a knife, but I do a lot of study of survival, how to get out of a place if you got lost. What if you went down in a plane? Any of y'all see that movie where Edris Alba and that white girl went down in the snow and they had to figure how to get out of there? If you went down in a plane or if you 
crashed off a mountainside, if you were stuck in a place that, that you, and had to figure your way out of there without a compass, there's, there's a couple of tricks, uh, a, a couple of things you need to know. One thing you need to know is there's always people by water. Always. Every civilization in the history of mankind have built their civilization around water. Jacksonville has been known since its inception as the River City. Jacksonville is built around the St. John's River. One of my favorite cities in America is Greenville, South Carolina. It's one of the most beautiful cities in all of the world, and I've been everywhere. And it is built around the Reedy River, which originally was the source of power. You know, in the Christian's life, that the Holy Spirit is our source of power. Think with me now. Open your mind, because today I'm going to do something a little different than what I normally do. Typically, I read a passage of Scripture, and then I teach that passage of Scripture verse by verse and take you through it. That is following a teaching style from the great theologian St. Augustine. It's an Augustinian application of Scripture. There's another style of preaching, teaching, that I don't often use. It's the most popular style in America today. It's the Alexandrian style of teaching. That's to read a passage of Scripture and then make a story about it that fits a present-day application. And that's, that's, you, you get great storytellers like Bishop T.D. Jakes. Bishop Jakes is probably the greatest storyteller in the world. And he can read a passage of Scripture, never go back to it, and, and, and tell, tell a, uh, an applicable story um, that kind of relates to that Scripture. There's a danger in that style of teaching because you can get away from the Word of God. But there's also a necessity in that style of teaching because Jesus used that style of teaching often. So I'm not going to be using an Augustinian hermeneutic today. I'm going to be using an Alexandrian hermeneutic about this river, say river. Jerusalem, the only place, the only major city that was founded in the early formation of this world that wasn't centered on a river. But in the end of it, there's going to be a river running through the city of God. And Ezekiel saw a, a river flowing out of the temple of God uh, in this vision that he saw. He saw something new. Say new. Let me, let me start by saying this. If you ever really start following God, you're going to be introduced to some new things. And here's the problem with new things. People don't like change. You're going to be introduced to some new ways of thinking, some new ways of living. You're going to be introduced to some new principles to govern your life. And if you are unwilling to change, hear me good, you will never grow in Christ. If you are, well, I, this is just who I am, accept me or leave me, uh, everybody ought to leave you. I mean, let me just help some of y'all right now. If you're in a relationship with somebody who, who their mindset is, you got to accept me as I am, or, or you can just hit the bricks. Uh, if you're not legally married to them, you ought to hit the bricks. Now, if you're legally married, you got different issues there because you're stuck. But Christianity demands change. Say change. Ezekiel saw something new. And when you get into following God, you're going to see a lot of new stuff. And some of it you're going to embrace right away. And some of it you're going to resist. And hopefully some of the things that you resisted before, you'll come back around to embrace at a later date. Because Christianity is about growing. We saw in our opening verse, it's about learning to know him better and become more like him. I wonder, are you learning to know him better? See, there's the, I, I always tell you this, I'm going to tell you again. My pastor told me years ago that backsliding is not necessarily out drinking and whoremongering and doing a bunch of bad stuff. He said, that's, that, that, you don't have to do all that to be a backslider. He said, if you've ever been closer to God than you are right now, you've slidden back. Oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something about backsliding. God said the backslider in heart shall be filled with their own ways. That is not a good thing. But the good news is God said he's married to the backslider, and he wants to bring you through it. Now, we're, we're thinking about rivers. We're talking about rivers. I told you, Jerusalem, the only great city in the ancient world that wasn't located on a river, 
They, they, you have to have this source of life. You have to be connected to the flow. And you'll hear people talk about the, the, the flow of the Spirit of God and are you flowing in your life. Most people aren't flowing in their life. Most people are swimming against stream. Most people are swimming uphill against the current and failing. Can anybody say amen? Hey, first step in solving a problem, you got to be honest about it. You got to identify it. You got to take ownership of it. In Jeremiah 2:13, God said he's the fountain of living water. And Jesus talked at the well about giving us rivers of living water that would flow forth from us. I want you to get to a place in your life where this water that represents that symbolizes life, refreshing and growth. I want you to want that. Now, I know everybody in this room, if, if I could just lay my hand on you and touch you this morning, that's what people want. That's why, you know, prayer lines are so long. They just want the pastor to pray over them and all their problems go away. Life is a process. Life is a journey. Growing in Christ is just that. It's growing. There are pains in growing and growth takes time. Uh, but people would love just to have some. If I could just touch you today and you become hungry for the things of God, some of you would say, man, I wish I could be more hungry for the things of God. You got to want it to get it. When Jesus walked up, here, here's one of the funniest stories in the whole New Testament to me. Jesus comes up on a couple of blind dudes and they're screaming out at him. And he's like, what do you want me to do for you? Here's Jesus, God in the flesh. He knew everything. He could see people uh, sitting under trees when he wasn't even in the same geographic region. He knew what their problem was, but he wanted them to say it. He didn't go around. People are like, well, if God can still heal people today, why doesn't a healer go into a, a, a hospital and heal everybody? Because Jesus never did it that way. Yeah, nowhere in the Bible do you see God just wholesaling everybody except the people of Israel. Nobody else outside that just gets this overwhelming touch of God just because of it. You got to want it. You got to ask for it. I wonder, do you want to grow more in Christ today? Would you like to be like him? Let me ask you this. Would you like for life to be easier to where you were going with the flow of God and you didn't experience so much resistance. Anybody? I know I'm talking to somebody today and I feel like you're still not listening, but I can't hold everybody up for you. So let's get into Ezekiel chapter 47. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. These verses will be on the screen. In Ezekiel 47, which is uh, uh, the next last chapter in, in the book, uh, it's a long book and we're coming to the end of Ezekiel in chapter 47. In verse 1, Ezekiel says this, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple, passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Now, everybody has to have a starting point for their spirituality. Everybody has to have a starting point for their Christianity. If I were to ask you today, how long have you been a Christian? If your answer is, I've always been a Christian, then as a student of the Word of God, I know for sure you have never been a Christian. Because the Bible says we must receive Him. The Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, that as many as receive Him, He gives them the power to become the children of God. You're not born into God's kingdom. You have to be born again into God's kingdom. I'm going to let you think about that for a while, and we're going to process through these verses in Ezekiel, but everybody has to have a starting place, and God is where we start. Not our image of God, but what this book says about God. I can't take it. I cannot take it. I just can't. I can't take it so much. I told Seth the other day, if you're ever talking, because, you know, he's a 17-year-old boy, thank God, all boy, not confused, and, and he talks to girls like a boy ought to talk to. And I told him, man, if you're ever talking to one of these little girls that you think is cute and she uses this phrase, I want you to hang up on her and block her and delete her from everything you got. If she says, well, my truth, get off these people that keep talking. Well, I, I want to share my truth. 
We don't possess a truth that is different from truth. This concept today that society is trying to give us, and I hear it constantly, people want to express their truth. Well, I'm living out my authentic truth. You don't own no truth. You can either get on God's truth or you can get on a lie. But you, it can't be your version versus someone else's version because the Bible says the scripture is of no private interpretation. It can't mean one thing to you and a different thing to me. And when I tell you you've got to start with God, I'm not talking about your image of God. I'm talking about what this book says about God. If you've ever been through the 12-step program of AA or NA, there's some really good steps in there. And it's a program that has helped millions and millions of people to be able to cope with alcoholism and drug dependency. But one of the areas of greatest error in their program, because they demand that you find a higher power, but their error is they tell you that higher power can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a rock that you put in your pocket that you hold on to for strength. It can be your dog. It can be your frying pan. It can be, be your soup pot. Listen, you can't make up your own idea of God. God is not the big man upstairs. God, God is not some old man upstairs. God is the true living creator of all there is, and he's what he says he is in this book. You can't make up your own. Well, this is what God is to me. You've already lost at that point. You, got no, no, you have no foundational basis for making up who God is to you. When people tell me, well, me and the big man, we got a deal worked out. I let them know right now. I said, well, whatever deal you think you have worked out, it will not supersede the deal that God gave to all human beings when he said the payment for sin is death in hell forever. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, and you, and you can be saved through Christ. You have to start with the foundation of God. Somebody say start. So uh, the Bible, Ezekiel, tells us in chapter 47, that he goes to the entrance of a temple. Uh, that's where God is. you got to start where God is. And there he saw a stream flowing east. Now, if you read this in the Hebrew, you, you would see that this stream, a, a better English word that we would connect with today in today's vernacular would be a trickle. It, 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 it was a, 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 a trickle. It, wa it wasn't a full flow. It was a little bit of water leaking out. And when you get saved, when you come to God, you, 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 you might feel overwhelmed and blown back, but you're just being introduced to a little bit. Do you realize what I'm saying? You, you, you've just found a, a small part of who God is in the beginning of your salvation. Uh, Christianity starts with a trickle and it grows from there. When I got saved, it felt overwhelming to me. I had a massive change in my life. But here I am now, 40 years later, having just celebrated this month my 40th year in Christ. And I realize it's still true today. Um, the, the, the more I learn about God, the more I realize I don't know that much at all about God. God is so big and so immense, and we've all got room to grow. Can you say amen? So Ezekiel sees this vision, and it starts where God is, and it has this small amount of water forming a stream, becoming a river. In verse, in verse 2, now listen, y'all better stay, pay attention because I, I got uh, three more verses to go through, and we're going to get out of here. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. it. It starts with a trickle, and it grows from there. Verse 2 says, the man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Do you see that it, it goes from a, a trickle to flowing? But what I want you to see is the first part of the verse is it started on the inside of the temple where God was, but then you moved outside. You might have got saved in a church, but you got to go live your life outside the church. You might have been like me. I got saved in my bedroom, but it was where God was at that time. And ever since then, I've had to live my life outside of the place where I was introduced to God. 
You got to go and find a way to live, represent, and see God on your job, in your school, in your home, in the things you watch, read, listen to. You've got to go outside of where it started and move into something deeper, say deeper. I wish five people wanted to go deeper today. We're going to get there. He said, there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Now, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he doesn't prefer one over the other, and what he does for one, he'll do to the other. Now, the reality is, if God showed Ezekiel who he was in the temple, who he was outside the temple, and showed him water that was flowing out from the throne of God, God can show you water flowing out from the throne of God. God can bring that refreshing in your life. God can bring that source of power in your life. God can bring that newness and, and, and flow in your life. Because I want to tell you something. If you are trying hard to hold on to your Christianity, if you're trying hard to hold on to your right frame of mind, if you are trying hard to be all that God wants you to be, you need to stop trying so hard and you need to get under the spout where the glory comes out and let God carry you there's a whole difference there the sad reality is most people that come to church are doing everything they're doing in their own effort and none of it is in the flow of God I can preach in the flesh we can worship in it we can sing in the flesh we we can greet deke ush minister to kids nursery in the flesh all those things or we could try something different. And I hope you'd be willing to try something different today. Get into the flow of what God is doing. Because if I had enough time to counsel each one of you privately today, most of you would admit you've been swimming upstream. Most of you would admit you've been dealing with a lot of resistance. Most of you would admit you've been having to do your best to keep moving forward in Christ. Now, what would be easier, climbing uphill or getting in a vehicle and letting someone drive you uphill. Hmm, y'all already lost. Let's keep going because I'm going to get through with this whether you grab hold of any of it or not. See, he saw this, but he wasn't in this. That represents many of you here today and many people who fill up church seats across the world. They see things about God, but they are not in the flow of God. You're either watching from the, from the outside or you're inside letting it happen to you. And you got to get in to what God is doing. In verse 3, the Bible says, Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. And the water was up to my ankles. Everybody that has any connection to God, everybody who saved a little bit had to be exposed to God, had, had to hear things about God, had to understand something about God. They had to witness something about God, and they had to be exposed to it. And then they had to accept it for what it is, and then they had to travel forward. If you're here and you're saved, you're in your traveling days. You're in your moving days. But sometimes we're like that book, I think Charles Stanley or Chuck Swindoll wrote, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. It's hard to get down the road if every time you move forward a little bit, you fall back a little bit. But how many of you know, if we're being honest, every person in this room has had that as their testimony at some point. So we're seeing this, this travel, that, this journey that Ezekiel's on. When you first get saved, when you first accept God as who he is, and you get into God, and you receive God, you got 1,750 feet to go just to get in the water, just to get in the flow of what God is doing. This is where new Christians make the mistake. I, I see new Christians, they get all fired up, and they want to go start 12 new ministries right away. And they're not even ankle deep in God yet. They're just fresh into God. They've just been exposed to the river of God. They, they've got to travel. Say travel. Now some of you have gone past 1,750 feet and you still ain't in water up to your ankles. Look at what it says. The water was up 
to my ankles. Some of y'all been traveling in God for a long time, and your feet are barely wet. God wants us to go deeper, say deeper. So here's a picture of the Spirit-filled life. Here's a picture of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's a picture of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You got to get saved first, say get saved. You got to get saved first, and then you got to travel. You got to get into the water. Now, if I go to a river and I step into the water, both feet ankle deep, am I in the river? Yes, I am. My, my, all of me. I, I can say I'm completely in the river even if all of me is not wet. But I'm not on the dry land anymore. When you get saved, you are completely in God. You completely are indwelt by the Spirit of God because Jesus said that when he left, God would send the Holy Spirit who would live on the inside of us. The Bible declares that when we get saved, God's Spirit takes up residence in us. Some people think that you don't get the Holy Spirit till later in life, but they haven't read the book of Romans that tells us if anyone has not the Holy Spirit, then they're none of God's. So when you get saved, you get into the water. Listen, but you're only ankle deep, and you got to grow from there. But you got to get your feet into the water. Some people get into Christ, they get into the water, and they die there. They die there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm giving you this analogy today, this symbolism, this picture. If you walk into a river, rivers have a flow to them. This river has a flow. If you get into a river and you are ankle deep, you can feel the water flowing over you. Now, most of us here in Florida, we don't do rivers that much. If you go ankle deep into the ocean, you can feel the water moving over you. But let me tell you this, it's not controlling you. Oh, so you missed that. You're all the way in. You're truly in. You are in the river. You are in God. But you're only ankle deep, and you are in the majority position of control in your life. You're not flowing with that river. You're just standing there stuck. And I want to tell you something. That's the, where the majority of people are in Christ today. In the river, stuck, not flowing. But the story doesn't end there. In verse 4, he says, He measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. This is a process, a process. This is what, if, this is what Colossians chapter 3 was talking about, this process of learning him, growing him, getting to know him better, going deeper into the realm of your spirituality. Now let me tell you something. Most, I've had so many people ask me, is, can, can Christians listen to secular music? Well, of course they can. Christians can do anything they want to do. But if you really want to grow in Christ, I want to encourage you. One of the fastest ways to wash the world off of you and to start growing deeper in Christ is to get rid of whatever music you're listening to that's not singing about the Lord. Two people said amen. Oh, I wish, I, I, I don't think most of you would do it, but if we had time, we'd just all walk out to the parking lot. We'd start with Miss Irene. Turn your radio on, put it on full blast. Let's hear what you're listening to. We'd work our way all the way back around to Terry in the back. Turn your radio on. Let me hear what you're listening to. Well, I just don't believe what I listen to is any of your business. It's not, but it's all of your business and God's business. If you ever want to grow in Christ, you can't just fill your mind up with music that doesn't honor him. Why do I say that? Anybody know what the devil's job was in heaven before he became the devil? He was the lead musician. He was the worship leader. And God has always used music to guide the soul. The music will move you. And let me tell you something. If you, I don't, and I don't care what brand it is. People are like, well, country music sings about God, faith, and patriotism. Yeah, and getting drunk and having sex by the river. Yeah, I don't care if you're listening to, um, I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. You can't listen to that all week long and expect your mind to be clean and in Christ. 
And you can't sit down and listen to all my exes live in Texas and be right with God in your mind. I don't care what kind of music. Well, I listen just to jazz, uh, and it doesn't have any words. Well, why would you want to waste time? Not If you're going to listen to music, why don't you listen to something that will turn your heart toward God? This is foundational. Some of y'all need to get off um, the hit kicker and the beat and get onto some music that honors God. Can three people say amen? I don't believe some of y'all would dare do it. Some of y'all so stuck on country music, I can smell it on you from here. Some of y'all so stuck on R&B, I can smell it from you from here. I like what Chris Rock said about sitting on the dock of the bay. One of the most famous songs in the history of the world. Sitting in the morning sun. I'll be sitting when the evening. What kind of lazy dude is that? You ain't did nothing all day. You're just hanging out doing nothing. That ain't Christian. You need, I, I, I challenge everybody in this room, turn off all forms of music that don't honor God for the rest of this month. It's only a few days. And see if you don't think more about Jesus. You, you stuck ankle deep, but you don't have God directing you anywhere. You might be able to claim, I'm in God, but God is not controlling you. And let me tell you something, sir, ma'am, young person, the worst place you can be in your life is to be saved, but not fully following God. Because that is a miserable life of chastisement and difficulty, resistance, self-condemnation, and just brutal on the emotions. If you are saved at all, get deeper. Say, get deeper. Oh, he said, then after another 1,750 feet, why is 1,750 the number? Don't get stuck on that. Just realize it's a distance. It takes time. It takes time. Listen, the only way you can go 1,750 feet and ever get from where you are to the end of it is to go long enough in the right direction till you finally get there. What do most Christians do? They start walking toward God. You're never going to get 1,750 feet that way if you veer left or right. And if you turn around and you go backwards, it's just going to take you longer to get there. You need to set your course. The Bible says to set your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. You need to make a beeline to Christ. I'm so thankful my mama grew up on a cotton farm, went, uh, taken out of school for months every year because they had to pick the cotton. They had to work the field. I'm so thankful I grew up around farming people because I learned early how to follow a straight line. Most people don't know how to follow a straight line. That, that, that's why they could never plow a straight road. One of the prettiest things about farms, one of the prettiest things in Florida, we see it all the time. You probably haven't even noticed it, but start looking for it. Drive past anywhere where there's a bunch of pine trees, and you'll see, wow, they're like this, so you have to look at them on a slant. Wow, they're all in a straight line. You know why they're in a straight line? Because farmers plant everything in a straight line. And they don't go out there. Carpenters make stuff in straight lines, but they, they cheat. You know, how, you know how carpenters keep a straight line? They pop a chalk line on it. And, and they, they've got a guide to go. But farmers don't have that. And Christians don't have that either. We got we to gotta follow Christ the way the farmer makes a straight line. If you want to get through your 1,750 feet to get to your next level, if you want to make that long journey, you've got to walk straight. Because every time you turn around, you delay your walk. You've probably heard it said before that when the children of God left Egypt to go to the promised land, they, they had an 11-day walk, and they took 40 years to get there because they didn't walk in a straight line. They kept going backwards. They kept walking around in circles. If you want to ever get to the next level, if you ever want to be who God wants you to be, you got to learn how to walk in a straight line without chalk on the ground in front of you, without somebody striping the lane for you. I can tell you how the farmer does it. They look way out there and they find something. If I want to walk in a straight line to that clock, I can't just look at that clock. I need to look at a specific point 
on that. I look dead middle where those two hands have, have, have a, a fastener attaching them. And if I keep my eyes set, that's how the farmer does it. They find a tree way out in the distance, a rock way out in the distance. They find something stable, and, and, they, and they keep looking at it, and they keep making sure they're going straight to that. If you ever get lost in the woods, the only way you're not going to walk around in circles in the woods, you got to find something way off in the distance and you got to walk straight to it. It's the same thing in the spirit realm. If you want to get closer to God, if you want to make this 1,750 feet journey, you better set your eyes completely on God because every time you follow your flesh, every time you walk in your lust, every time you stop reading your Bible, saying your prayers and make good choices, you lose ground and it takes longer. Some of y'all haven't made the first 1,750 feet yet. But I'm going to tell you it's doable. Somebody say you can do it. After the next 750 feet, Ezekiel was standing up to his waist in the water. Now here's what happens when you're in a stream in water. The water might knock you down and carry you with it. But it probably won't. You know why? Do you know the first thing people do when they're waist deep in a flowing river of water? They stiffen up. They widen their base, and they are not going to be swept off their feet. Because nobody wants to get knocked over. You will go out to the beach, watch these kids standing there. They get splashed over. A wave hits them, boom, they're tumbled over, face down in the sand. Uh, people who've been around water for a while, they see that wave coming, they brace for it. When people go out waist deep in a flowing current, there is a self-protection tendency that causes you to set your feet stern and sing wrongly the, the, the old verse that says, we shall not be moved. And some of y'all come to church that way. You're just not going to be moved for God. Some of y'all live y'all's lives that way. You are not going to be moved. You've gone ankle deep. You've gone waist deep. But you never did let the water control you because you decided, I ain't giving up every part of me. I'm holding on to me. I like my music. I like my cigarettes. I like my alcohol. I like my fornication. I like my porn. Whatever your thing is, you just stay stuck with it. No matter if the, you feel that water wanting you to go this way, you're resisting that way. And I'm going to tell you something. If you ever quit resisting, you can get further in Christ. And if you don't want to get further in Christ, you ain't saved anyhow. So that's a, that's a horse of a different color. Let's look at verse 5 and get out of here. Then, when is then? Then's always after. This is after you've been to the temple. This is after you've accepted God for who he is. This is after you've gotten out into the water and, and, and you've experienced some things with God ankle deep. This is after you, you've traveled in a straight line and you've gotten further and further away. Some of y'all are so close to your past, you can reach out and grab it. Bad news about that, it can reach out and grab you. I've, I've, told, I've told my kids, if you're ever on surveillance, if you're ever being attacked, if you're ever in a home invasion, if you think you got a good hiding spot from somebody, if you can see them, they can see you. Some of y'all ain't walked far enough, long enough, in a straight line enough to get a distance between you and your past. Listen, there ain't nothing about going to bars and clubs that holds any appeal to me at all. I'm so far beyond that, uh, and I used to live in clubs. I'm so far beyond that. I, I remember when Jazzco, the club, some of y'all ain't been in Jacksonville your whole life. Now, don't raise your hand if you don't remember. It was an obscure place that lasted for maybe 12 years. Anybody ever remember Jazzco, the club? Anybody been to Jazzco, the club? And, and when, you, when you went to Jazz Coda Club, did you see any white people? If I wasn't there, you didn't. So anyway, I used to love to go out, and, but that's, I'm so far removed from that, I had no pull on me at all. Some of y'all fighting your temptation so hard. You know why? Because you haven't put distance on them. You know why you haven't put distance on them? Because you didn't walk in a straight line long enough. It takes something to walk 1,750 feet and then experience a new depth and then walk 1,750 feet again. It's not really that far of a distance, but if you keep turning left, right, and backwards, then it's going to take you a long time to get there. I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. Ezekiel gets out into this thing. He says, then he measured another 1,750 feet. Listen, it's growth and then growth 
and then growth. And in between all that growth, a lot of hard walking and a lot of staying in a straight line. And you got to keep going long enough to where you reach a new level. God says he wants to take you from glory to glory. That's one level of his glory to the next level of his glory. But if you keep turning around, you're not going to experience it. And it's better to let God flow in you than for you to try to do all this in your own strength. Because the majority of people are trying to serve God in their own strength, and that is exhausting. Ezekiel gets taken out another 1,750 feet where the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk across. I want to tell you something. You want to get in the deep end. But most people, that if you've never been in the deep end, you're scared to go to the deep end. So you go in a little bit. Then you go in a little bit. you got to keep giving yourself to more and more of God. Well, what if I give all of myself to God? Then I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. That's right. You're not. But he's going to give you better. Jesus said that no one has given up anything in this life, but that God didn't repay them a hundredfold in this life and eternity in the life to come. Whatever it is you think that you got that's so good, sex with your girlfriend, fornication, alcohol, drugs, whatever you think that you got that makes you so happy. What, what if God would let you be a hundred times happier without it? He already promised he would. You just got to walk 1,750 feet in a straight line without backing up long enough to get there. Ouch. Most people have never done it, and that's why they've never gotten off the bank. That's why they've never gotten into a place deep enough to swim in. Now, if it's too deep to walk through and it's deep enough to swim in and it's a river that's flowing, guess what? You're not in control anymore. Some of you grew up in Florida. Most people that grew up in Florida have been, uh, <laughs> we, we, we put a whole verb around it. We put a sport around it. We put an activity around a word that most people don't even understand. You might not even know what tubing is. Do you know what tubing is? It's when you get in a tube, an inner tube, an inflatable thing, and you just sit in it. And in Florida, if you grew up around here, you were carried by somebody, some family member, some friend, some church group, some group of people into the coldest part of water in the whole state of Florida and into a river called what? It's a Tuckney. That is the god-awful coldest water on the planet. These people that, these, these, uh, People to take ice plunges, there's something mentally off with them because I don't like the itchy touch. But it's so but it's a river and it flows, and you just sit in your tube, and guess what? It just carries you right on down the river. You don't have to tread water, you don't have to fight resistance, you don't have to try to swim backwards, you don't have to try to stay afloat, it just carries you all the way down. And this is a picture of what. Christianity's like when you get deep enough. When you get deep enough, then God will not only carry you, keep you above water, he will just guide you right where he wants you to be, just like what happened to Jesus. Jesus went to the Jordan River, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and was led on his journey. And if you will transition from being ankle deep to being wasty, see, ankle deep, that, 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 that river, it can flow as hard as it wants to. It had no effect on you at all. Waist deep, it's starting to move you, but you can still resist it. Over your head deep, listen, you can resist all you want to. Watch people who get swept away in rivers in 18-wheelers. Uh, that water will move anything if it's deep and if it's flowing. And the problem is most Christians have never got deep enough to get a flow of God in, and I want you to follow God for so long that you get into the next level. I wish we had time and honesty. I wish we had time and honesty. 20 years ago, I'd have made y'all do it, but I'm, I'm, but I'm not going to force you into following God today. I used to make people come stand in different lines and, and, and pray over them for where they were for their need. Some of you aren't even in the water. Some of you aren't even in Christ. Some of you have, aren't even saved at all. You need to get saved. So you can start making your 1,750 feet laps. 
you got to move forward. You, but you got to get in God first. If you're here and you're not saved, the Bible says if you'll call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. Some of you have done that before again and again and again. But the Bible says that you'll only find God when you search for him with your whole heart. If you're here, I don't care how many times you've walked an aisle, how many times you raised your hand, stood up, told people you just got saved. If you know in your knower that you're not truly right with God, you ought to get saved today. You don't have to walk this aisle. You don't have to shake my hand. You, you don't have to pray any prayer after me. You just got to want God and call on him. The Bible says if you search for him, you'll find him. And then you can start your journey 1,750 feet at a time. Stop wondering why life is the way that it is. Why you aren't filled. Why you don't have a peace that passes all understanding. Why you don't have blessings on you. Why God isn't pouring out blessing on you so big that you can't receive it. Stop wondering why you're not walking in the fullness of God. The reason is self-evident. You haven't gone 1,750 feet in a straight line without veering left, right, or backwards yet. But if you'll do that, you can go from the spot you are to a place that's deeper. And the good news about being deeper is you start experiencing more of God. You walk out in that water. Now, some people some people are so scared. I, I've been with, with, with lots of people that have told me, my mama told me never go in water so deep I couldn't see my ankles. And you got to be willing to trust God to go deeper. You got to be willing to give, give up things to go deeper in God. You got to give up your comfort zone. Because let me tell you something. You go deeper in the water up to your waist, guess, guess where you caught the biggest shock? You don't catch the biggest shock when your ankles get wet. You don't catch the biggest shock of that cold water when your waist gets wet, you catch that biggest shock of cold water when your groin gets wet. You got to go deep enough to shock you and to make you uncomfortable and to make you want to be in that much water. But when you get waist deep, that water starts pulling on you. You can resist it or you can kind of, you know what happens? And you can see this at the beach. You know what happens at the beach? If that water is coming in, you can stand rock solid against it if you're only waist deep. But when it's coming in, if you jump up, guess what that water does? It moves you. Oh, it's good to be moved by the water when that water is God. It takes you from where you are to a different place. And some of y'all need to move deeper. But you got to walk straight line for a certain amount of time before you can transition from ankle deep to waist deep. But when you get in that water that is too deep to walk through, you just got to be fully trusting that it's going to take you to where you want to go. Because once you get in it so deep, unless you really try real hard to get out of it, you can just stay floating in it. And I want to tell you this in closing. It's so much easier to move toward God when he's the one moving you. It's so much easier to flow in life when it is the Spirit of God that is the one making the flow. I don't know where you are today, but I want to tell you something. There, there, there's, there's four places. You're in one of these four places. Number one, you're, you're, you're outside the water and you need to get in it. If, if you're not in the water of God, I want you to see God for who he is and make a determination that I want to be a Christian. Get in the water of God. Second place, maybe, maybe you're ankle deep. Maybe, maybe you, maybe if you, if you, you got to go from number one to number two. After you go to number one, you got to go to number two. You got to go ankle deep. You got to start growing and moving in a straight line. Let God see. You're not turning left or right. Get your focus on God. Start listening to things about God, reading about things about God, talking about the things of God. Then you can go to the third spot, which is waist deep. This is, you're deeper in God. You can feel God moving in your life. Ankle deep, you've really got all the control of where you're going, what you do. Waist deep, you start letting God control you a little bit. This is a scary thing, but it's a good thing. People get scared about giving up their comfort zone until they realize, I can trust God. Whatever he does to me is a good thing. Wherever he leads me is a good place. And when you get waist deep, you still, you can resist, but you can flow. 
And many people are stuck in that waist deep. Sometimes you're flowing in God. Sometimes you jump up a little bit and that water carries you and it's glorious. But then you plant your feet stiff again. And you stop letting God move you. I want to encourage you today to understand you can trust God. And he's got, to put, he, he's got a destiny for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. But you've got to let him have his way. And he wants control. The word Lord means controller. It, it's when you give control of your life over to your master that Jesus is truly your Lord. And, and, and maybe you, you, you've been waist deep and you want to go all the way. See, this is symbolic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I told you the water represents the Spirit of God, the power of God, the flow of God. Being baptized, the word baptized means to be fully immersed. <laughs> you can't be fully immersed in ankle-deep water. You can be fully immersed in waist-deep water, but you won't stay that way long. But if you get into water that's over your head, that's when you are fully immersed in the water, controlled by the water, giving up and just saying, you know what? God is my inner tube and the Holy Spirit is the flow of this river and I'm just going to stay right here and I'm going to keep traveling the way God has me to travel. That is what it means to be baptized in the Spirit to where you get so deep in God that He is controlling you and you are not controlling yourself. I don't know where you are today, but I know very few people are in the deep end. I know most people aren't even fully in. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you're not even truly saved. Get saved today. Maybe you know that you're giving God very little control of your life as a Christian. That makes you ankle deep. Why don't you decide today to walk straight for 1,750 feet? Why don't you set it in your mind and in your spirit to say, I'm going to follow God in a straight line. I'm going to begin to be all that God wants me to be. And you follow God for 1,750 feet and see if God doesn't take you deeper. And then you get deeper in the things of God, and it's only going to want to make you get deeper still. If you want to be filled with God's spirit, it's a process. It's a journey. You got to go from where you are to where God wants you to be. I wish we could just snap our fingers and it be done instantaneously, but it's not done that way. I don't care what preachers have told you. I don't care what TV messages you've listened to. The Word of God stands sure, and this is how God takes us from where we are to where He wants us to be. Just like He said that the people uh, that moved into the promised land, the Bible says they went in little and by little. I wish we could snap our fingers and be all the way in the deep end and all of us just be flowing in God together. That would be amazing. But it's not the way God does things. You have to learn to grow in God. And you have to move in a straight line long enough to go from where you are to where you want to be. Somebody in this room wants to go deeper in God. I'm going to tell you today, just trust Him. Just trust Him. Keep following Him. Do what you know to do. You don't have to learn anything new today. If you just do what you know to do, if you just read your Bible, say your prayers, and make good choices, if you'd cut out some of the bad stuff and embrace more of the good stuff, you would start moving that 1,750 feet, and you could get to the place where God is carrying you. See, it's not hard to live for God if God's the one doing the living in you. It's not hard to follow God if God's the one just moving you down the road. The Spirit of God led Jesus even into the wilderness. But as long as God is moving you, you know He's with you. Let go of what is keeping you anchored to where you are and decide that you want to do like Ezekiel did. You want to go from where you are to a deeper place. You want to go from where you are resisting everything that God wants for you to where you just lay back and you enjoy the ride. Christianity is a lot of fun if you let Christ live in you. It's a book full of rules, regulations, hardship, and, and toughness if you try to do it on your own. Get out of your ankle-deep life. Get out of your waist-deep life. And get into the flow 
of the Spirit of God because then you can begin to receive everything that God has for you. You'll stop moving in directions God didn't want you to move. You'll stop going left and right. You'll stop going backwards. You don't go backwards when you're tubing down the Ichituckney. You go the way the water takes you. And if you get deep enough in God, you'll stop going backwards, sir, ma'am, young person, and you'll go the way God wants you to. And then you will experience what real refreshing is. You will experience what Holy Ghost living is. You will experience the deeper life. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd cause this to make sense to somebody today and help us to move from where we are to where you want us to be. God, for every person in this room that's not saved, I pray you'd show them that today and that you would save them by your spirit. God, for those who are saved but aren't traveling in the right direction, God, I pray that you would draw us out to deeper water. Control us, God. Use us for your glory. Fill us with your spirit and be our guide is our prayer in Jesus' name. If you believe God has a plan for your life, why don't you clap your hands, all you people. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.